الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى الصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رجال لا تلهيهم تجارة ولا بيع عن ذكر الله وإقام الصلاة وإيتاء الزكاة يخافون يوما تتقلب فيه القلوب والأبصار وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم نعم المال الصالح للنفس الصالح أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Allah has blessed us with this great gift and great bounty to acquire the wealth of taqwa. We have been hearing about this year in and year out and for this entire month also we will keep listening to this. This is the object, this is the purpose. Many a times we become so focused on the things that surround this objective that we forget the objective itself. The fasting which is compulsory, the Tarawih Salah, Allah Ta'ala has made an additional ibadah for us and all the multiplied rewards, all these things have been granted to us to make it conducive to achieve this great wealth of taqwa. But unfortunately sometimes we lose sight of the objective. Alhamdulillah we engage in all the ibadat, the fasting, the tarawih salah, the tilawah, the Quran zikr, dua, tasbihat, various acts of ibadat. That is something very good, the more the better. But we should not lose sight of what is the purpose of this month, which Allah Ta'ala Himself has described as the objective. And that is acquiring taqwa. What is this taqwa all about? So this taqwa is something that permeates every facet of being, every facet of a person's life. It's not departmentalized anywhere. It's not something that pertains to things that only relate to ibadat, but doesn't apply to our mamalat, doesn't affect our monetary dealings, no, it affects that as well. It's something that pertains to our mu'asharat, our social interaction. Every aspect of life is governed by this taqwa. And in this little time that we have, what we are going to focus on is the taqwa in terms of our monetary dealings. Many a times, a person becomes muttaqi, becomes conscious of Allah Ta'ala in terms of his ibadah. That he must perform his five times salah, mashallah, excellent. That too is fundamental. That is something which a person cannot achieve any degree of success without his salah. A person becomes muttaqi in that regard. He becomes muttaqi in terms of the fasting of the month of Ramadan. He fasts every day properly. MashaAllah, excellent. 
person becomes muttaqi in terms of his zakat, that he discharges his zakat properly, completely, make sure it gets to the correct recipients, it is also an extremely important aspect. One is that a person is discharging the zakat by calculating it correctly. But then the other part is that it must reach the recipients who are eligible for that zakat. Otherwise it's not yet fulfilled. And the responsibility is of the person giving it, his responsibility. So if he just gave it without any caution to just anyone and everyone, and he didn't get to the correct recipients, then his zakat is not fulfilled, he'll be answerable. His muttaqi in terms of his zakat, if hajj is compulsory upon him, his muttaqi in that regard, he goes, goes and performs his hajj. Excellent, this is all extremely good. This must be in the life of every mu'min. But when it comes to the aspects of mu'amala, our monetary dealings, many a times, those who are even muttaqi in all their ibadah, come mu'amala and we start slipping. Sometimes the person is not conscious of anything, neither is ibadat, neither is mu'amalat or mu'asharat. But many a time the person who is conscious of at least some other aspects of being, come mu'amalat and the person starts slipping. And this is the real test. And this too is something that we have to become muttaqi. To understand the importance of this mu'amalat, how it affects everything in being. It affects even our ibadah. The hadith, in many many books of the hadith, this hadith is narrated when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam describes a person, this is part of the hadith now that we are discussing, that he describes a person now who has undertaken a long journey, a long journey of that era and period of time, not in first class comfort. He was on horseback, he was on camelback, and riding through the dusty terrain. So by the time he reaches his destination after a long journey, what will be his condition? So the Bishwas describes his condition, Akbara Ash'at. That his hair is disheveled, he is laden in dust. In other words, a very pitiable condition. Anybody sees him, they have to melt. This person in this pitiable condition, he is now making dua. Summa yabuddu yadehi ila sama. Yaqubdu ya Rabbi, ya Rabbi. Such a condition now. He is crying out to Allah. Ya Allah, grant me this. Ya Allah, fulfill this need of mine. Ya Allah, remove that difficulty of mine. We all make dua. The whole ummah is making dua in the month of Ramadan. Come Hajj, millions of people are making dua of Arafah. At the Baytullah holding the Hilaf of the Kaaba Shaleen and while making Tawaf and in all these sacred places and in the Mubarak month of Ramadan at Sehri time, at Iftar time at other times and in the Haramain Shaleen saying at this time of the year millions of people but how many of those du'as are being accepted is the question and here also the Rasulullah is describing a person now, very pitiful condition. Anybody sees him will feel sorry for him, and he is making du'a, really beseeching Allah. 
The drink itself was halal, but it required, was required by a haram sources. Or the income with which it was bought was haram. He, his clothing is from haram sources. His nourishment, his body is being nourished by haram. Nabi Sallallahu says, How can his dua ever be accepted? He can be making dua on the 27th night of Ramadan in the Haram Sharif at the Kaaba Sharif and at Murtazam he can be right at the most sacred spot on the most sacred night if that coincides with Laylatul Qadr he's on Laylatul Qadr in the Haram Sharif right at the Kaaba Sharif and that to that part of the Kaaba Sharif is Murtazam and he can be making dua with all his heart with his tears flowing. But Nabi Islam is still saying the same thing regarding him. Umat'amuhu haram, wa malbasuhu haram, wa mashrabuhu haram, wa malbasuhu haram, wa ghuddiya bil haram, fa anna yustajabu lidhalik. That if that place also on that night, in that manner, person is making dua, but if he is eating haram, then his dua is not going to be answered. A person who has eaten haram, clothed himself with haram and is performing salah, that salah with that haram clothing, that salah is not accepted. So this is the importance of this, of these mu'amalat. Because the mu'amalat, the dealings will make the person's income halal if it's done correctly. And that will affect every aspect of his ibadah. His du'as are going to be now accepted. His salah will be accepted. And every aspect of these that he will do will be accepted. Because he is now doing it, number one, in the right way. And there's no haram that is now taking all his ibadah. This is how important this ma'amalat is. And this is unfortunately what is neglected very, very greatly. That many a time the person who is conscious of being in other aspects, from ma'amalat and intastati. The first thing in regards to this mamla for a woman, what directs, what guides his mamla, all his monetary dealings, buying, selling, borrowing, lending, and any other dealing, what guides it, what directs it? The first thing is, it is his concept of wealth. What is his concept of wealth? That is what directs it. That is what guides it. Because it's a very distinct concept of wealth which a woman has. Very, very distinct from others. Others, what is their concept of wealth? That wealth is the objective. We'll do anything and everything to achieve wealth. One person, some years back, said, I was working for some company, some international company. That is the dua, things are in a bad footing at the moment. Ask him what happened is everything running at a loss? So he says, no, it's not running at a loss. But the projected income for the forthcoming financial year, because all the 
budgets and whatever else, all has to be done in advance and sent to head office. So now the projected income was lesser than what it was the previous year. The previous year it was so many million, so now in the forthcoming year, because of whatever the uh, situations where the circumstances were, it was a little less. The head office will be might as well close the whole operation down. If you can't make more money, what is the use time? If last year we made, or if this year we made 10 million, and next year we will make 9 million, it was the use carrying on. So 9 million is no good, because it's not more. When that became the objective, it had to become more all the time. That is the concept of wealth. That wealth is the objective. And everything must be done for that wealth. Then what to do with the wealth? Then just splash it around. And in whichever way a person can now do it up, he must carry on. If in no other way, then he must make a name for himself or something or the other, in what he wears, or what he drives, or what kind of wedding he has, and millions can be squandered in all that. But that is the object of life. But wealth becomes the objective itself. So this is the way it goes, that to earn the wealth and have fun with the wealth. But earn the wealth and have fun with the wealth. One youngster was probably away from home somewhere, so his allowance ran out. So he wrote to his father that no money, no fun. No money, no money. No money, no fun, your son. This was the message he wrote. So now the whole thing now, there's no money, there's no fun. The father also was not one to be outdone, so he wrote that, so sad, too, too bad, you're dead. So, that is the bottom line. That there must be money, there must be fun. And what kind of fun? First, within permissible limits, but then because that becomes the objective, when that becomes the objective, now a person is looking for artificial entertainment, artificial happiness. Because the real happiness can't come when the dunya has become the objective. Real happiness can only come that with the obedience of Allah and the consciousness and remembrance of Allah so the heart gets that peace, that itminan, that contentment, that tranquility. It cannot come from anywhere else. Now the dunya has become the objective, so now the person will have to keep looking for something artificial to try and entertain himself. And artificial things are artificial. Can't give anything. It's good for looking at. That beautiful fruit. From far it looks better than the real thing. And so tempting it is, but only good for looking because it's made of plastic. It can't nourish a person. It's got no fragrance in it. You can't, you feel it already and you start feeling it. It puts the person off. It's artificial. Artificial thing only good for looking at. It can't give any peace. It can't nourish. It can't give any contentment. It can't give happiness. So in any case, the concept of wealth that the dunya has is different. <coughs> the concept of wealth a mu'min has is very different. What is his concept of wealth? In a hadith, Rasulullah says to Hazrat Amr ibn Aaf, 
Nabi Hadith, the last portion of the Hadith is, Nabi Salaam said to Ni'mal ma'lus salihu bil mar'is salih. Ni'mal ma'lus salih. How good is halal wealth? How good is halal wealth? For who? Lil mar'is salih. For a pious person. For a muttaqi. For a person who has this wealth of taqwa. For him halal wealth is excellent. In fact, before this, is one other hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, where the Prophet said, that, inna ummatin Every ummah had a child. There was something that they were tested in. The child and the chest of my ummah is well. So this is the first step and first part of the movement's concept of wealth. It's a child. The child is the test. If he passes in the test, subhanallah, what can be said? Like when the poor Muhajirin came to Rasulullah with a kind of complaint. And they said that Zahab Ahlul Dusur with Darajatul Ula Al Naim al Muqeen. That the wealthy people have gone ahead, they have taken the high stages. The wealthy Sahaba have surpassed us. So Nabi Salaam asked what happened, what's the problem? He said that all these good deeds, we fast, we perform salah, they perform salah, we fast, they fast, we do these amal, they also do it. So we are all equal in this. Opportunities are equal. But then they have excess wealth. And because of this excess wealth, they have this excess wealth, so they go for Hajj, they go for Umrah, they strive in the path of Allah Ta'ala, they spend in the causes of deen, in Sadaqah, in various other avenues. But we don't have this, so we can't compete with them. This was the competition of the Sahaba. Our competition is, who has something smarter? So now if the latest thing has come out, the latest phone came, so I will have it first. So that I can be smarter. Though everybody got a smartphone, but I'll be smarter. Because I've got a smarter phone. But Allah forget what that smartphone is taking us to and what is dropping us into, what kind of ruin and destruction is bringing, that's another subject altogether. And this is something repeated over and over again. But Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. The Evils that are emanating out of this so-called smartphones, it is just on the ever increase. And what kind of chaos is bringing in society? Homes are being broken apart. People are, Allah forbid, what depths a person falls into. This is not something to take lightly. It's a very, very serious situation. How we use all these gadgets and all the technology, it can be very useful, it can be totally destructive also. Allah Ta'ala save us and protect us. And the smartest thing is, if a person has fallen once, if he has picked up once, never to give oneself a second chance, do without it. That is the safest thing we do without it. You will have a million and one excuses that will be inspired from shaitan of why we can't do without it. Why we have to have it. 
all these ages, we lived without it, and people are in the zaman and time of living without it. And life is carrying on very comfortably for them. These things were supposed to make life easy, as they say, supposed to make things very, very quick, so you'll save a lot of time. But after phones came in the lives of people, everybody is complaining that there's no time. And every wife, every other wife is complaining, my husband has got no more time for me now, he's only busy with the phone. And many a husband is complaining, my wife is only busy with the phone, she's got no time for the family also. So this which you're supposed to now save time, has taken up everybody's time. Has taken up the time when previously the business was closed, it was closed, business stayed behind those doors. Now the business came to home. Now the business came into the, on the Dastarkhan also. While the person is eating too, his business is carrying on. Because he's got all these things to attend to. And while anything and everything is carrying on the business, before the business was where the business was. And home was home. Now there's no more home in the house, and everything else is in the house. So when you become a home, when you bring being alive. In any case, we are digressing from the topic that we're talking about, but the first thing about a movement's concept of wealth is that this wealth is a child. It is a test. So the Sahaba came and they complained in the beast now and now. That these wealthy Sahaba have gone ahead, the pastors. They do all these right other actions which they can do due to the wealth they have. That they so pastors in this, so the beast now said to them, okay, I will teach you something. That you make amal on this, you practice on this. Somebody may spend all the wealth they have, they cannot equal the reward you will receive. With this simple amal, Nabi Sallallahu taught them, after every salah, to recite 33 times, Subhanallah, 33 times, Alhamdulillah, and 34 times, Allah. So you do this, nobody will be able to surpass you. They were very happy, because this is what they wanted. They focused on Akhirat. But after a while, they came back again, sad, so to say complaining, what happened? He said, you thought us, Amal, mashallah, we started practicing on it, alhamdulillah. But the wealthy sahaba also learned it. They also heard about it. So they making Amal on this also. They're still spending their wealth in the path of Allah Ta'ala, they're making Amal on this also. How do you compete with them? The Nabi Islam says, Zalika Fadlullah Yurfihi Maikesha. That is the grace of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala gives it to whom he wishes. And those who passed in that child, they surpassed others. The child, those who passed, they surpassed others. But if a person is not careful, then the same wealth can become the source of destruction in dunya and after. If it is used correctly, that is something that will take you far ahead. Otherwise the same thing can cause its destruction in dunya and after. So coming to the hadith, where the beast starts and says, Amr ibn Aafi ta'ala. How wonderful is halal wealth for a pious person? There's two things in here. One is that there must be the wealth must be halal, not wealth in itself. This wealth, if it's not halal, for this person it's nothing, it's worthless. Imagine somebody is offered a very lucrative proposition. Says we invest thousand rands, six thousand rands. In one month's time it will be hundred thousand rands. MashaAllah, this kind of investment, invest thousand rands in one month's time, hundred thousand, what is the investment all about? This is now we buy a pig farm. 
bunuh diri. Terus saya singkong. Jadi mukmin itu dia tu beroh. Satu iman atau tu cila kalau orang tu dia nabi. What you think of me? Be disgusted. You will be guarded as a terrible insult. You offering me this kind of investment? I must invest in this, this food, this which is money. So that same disgust that he feels when somebody offers him that, and the, the return will also come in the form of pork. You get a few tons of pork parked outside your house. He regarded as a terrible insult. So that same feeling of disgust that he gets from that, if somebody offered him in some other aspect, something else, which outwardly is all kosher, but the elements of haram are in there's deception involved, there's cookery involved, there's fraud involved, whatever else, and you come in the form of notes. For him, those notes and that pork is the same. That haram note and that pork for him is the same. That too is haram, this too is haram. That too is the source of destruction, this too is the source of destruction. So his first concern is ni'mal ma'arus salih. Halal. It's not halal, it doesn't want it. It's not halal, it doesn't want to touch it. It doesn't have anything to do with it. One sahabi had gone to Sham, to Syria. They had taken his whole life's earnings. They had cashed up everything, taken all his capital. And he had gone all the way to Syria from Medina Munawara and he went and bought a whole consignment of liquor, alcohol, which was not yet haram at that time he left. And he left to go buy it at that time it was still permissible. He bought all his money invested in this. And now he bought his whole consignment and he's returning. And he's on the outskirts of Medina Munawara and somebody sees him coming and they see what he's bringing along. And they ask him, don't you know what I have been revealed? What I have been doing? Allah Taala revealed this ayat of the Quran to me. Inna al khamru wal misru wal ansab wal azlam wa rizum min amal shaytan. Fajtanibu. All these intoxicants, all these intoxicants, and all these forms of gambling. So all these intoxicants, in whatever form it may be, rizum min amal shaytan. This is rizum. This is filth. And it's all the handiwork of shaitan. Shaitan uses this to destroy a person. By means of intoxicants, by means of gambling. This is shaitan's weapon of destruction, of mass destruction. So therefore Allah Ta'ala says now, Fajtani will totally abstain from this. So this person leaves everything right there. And he comes into Madinah Munawara. And he comes straight to Rasulullah Sallallahu And he inquires, this is what happened when I left. At that time there was no prohibition yet. But now that I came, this is what I've been informed. What is your order? The beast master says it's clear. Order is clear. This is now haram. He didn't get into any kind of debate that well, at least I should be allowed to cash up. I'll send it to the non-Muslims. Because when I left to go buy it and I bought it at that time, it never get haram. Now my whole life is like this. At least I should be allowed to cash up. No debate. He woke up from there and with his own hands he went and destroyed every bit of it. He saw it flowing away that he could see his success in this flowing away. His whole life earnings he saw flowing away but he saw his success in that. 
and trying to preserve it, trying to save it, trying to use it, trying to cash it out, he could see his destruction in that. This is the woman's concept of wealth. Ni'mal ma'lus salih. You only will touch that which is halal. That which is kosher, kosher, 100%. Something that has any element of haram in it, he doesn't want it. Then the second part of it. Lil is salih. That the wealth must be halal. How good is halal wealth for a pious person? Lil is salih. For a person who has taqwa. Understand this. What is the food must be halal? A person is eating food, he must eat halal food. Now a person has, he started the animal with his own hand. And that too he grew it up from himself. So he grew it up himself, so there's no, nothing contaminating it. Fed it completely on everything that is pure. And then he started it himself. In the name of Allah Ta'ala. And then he prepared it with wuzu. All the seeds, all the cage, everything is 100%. But now he doesn't have, his digestive system is in a problem. He's got a terrible running stomach. Some other problem. One person, years ago somebody mentioned, that he was the director of some major company, very big company, some multinational and extremely wealthy but he had some problem, some stomach problem all he could eat that some months used to be taken and wrapped into some kind of cloth which would just he could only suck on it so that just the juice comes out he couldn't dare take one bit of that months meat also because that would immediately cause a major reaction and he get very sick so besides some other liquids that is all that he could keep doing, just chewing on that. And all around would be his guest sitting and enjoying the sumptuous meal that he has provided and he would be just chewing and sucking on this little bag which had some months in it. He can't eat the months also. Just that little juice that comes out of it. Now one is the halal food, mashallah, everything is perfect. And he prepared it also with wuzu also and while making dhikr, but his stomach is in a big problem. So if he eats that food, also will be the case. It could have become a source of greater sickness because he's not healthy. He's ill. So the food must be halal. To benefit from the halal food, he must be healthy also. Now when he will eat it, when he's healthy, his stomach is right, then that will become now a means of nourishing his body. That food now will be transformed into blood and the blood will nourish all the body, uh, all the limbs of the body. But otherwise, that will become a source of greater sickness. So the food must be halal, he must be healthy. Likewise, the Bishasim says, Ni'mal ma'lus salih, nil mar'is salih. He must have taqwa also. Otherwise, he'll be earning in a halal way, and he'll be squandering in haram. He'll be earning in a halal way, and he'll be patronizing the haram demons. Place of zina will be seen the Muslim. And the gambling then will see the Muslim money. That halal wealth will go into haram avenues. So this drives the means concept, he drives his, his mamala, this concept of wealth, that this is a child, this is a test. Together with being a test, that he is all the time concerned, now because of the test, he's concerned that it must be halal. 
Then he is developing taqwa within himself of how to use it. Because on the day of Qiyamah, he would have to answer for this. On the day of Qiyamah, a person will not be able to move from the spot he is standing on until he is asked certain questions. And one of those questions, among those questions is, وَعَنْ مَالِهِ مِنْ أَيْنَ اكْتَسَبَهُ وَفِيمَ أَنْفَقَ It will be question about his wealth. From where did he acquire it? And not only that, where he spent it also. Where he acquired it, where he spent it. So now Bukmin is all the time concerned. Am I finding it from where I will be able to answer comfortably? Where by spending it will I be able to answer for this? Am I spending it for the sake of Allah or to please Allah Fine, a person is spending it on his needs. Then above his needs, he's spending it on his comforts. That's too fine. He's spending it for the sake of making life easy for himself. Very good, no problem. But now if he's spending it for the sake of making a name for himself, just to make an impression, and that's a big problem. If that becomes a need, is he spending it on just all other kinds of fashions and so on? One person has something stuck under his arm and he's rushing home. He's running at the top speed. So somebody asks him, where are you running like this? So you slip and fall, you're running like this. He says, no, I just bought the latest fashion for my wife. But I'm just worried before I reach home, maybe the fashion will change. So that's why I'm trying to get home quickly so that at least this is now a rusul of it. Because by the time I reach home, that it changes now, I don't buy that all. If that is the case, you're just chasing after fashion, you're just chasing after all this, the deception of dunya, and that is going to become a big problem with their family. So, the person is now concerned where am I earning it from, where am I spending it? Is it going to be easy for me to answer for this on their family? So this is the first thing about the concept of a mu'min's wealth. If he regards it as a child, he has to answer for it on their qiyamah, and therefore he is concerned that this wealth must come from halal sources, and this wealth must be something that he uses correctly. And then one more hadith for tonight, inshallah, will continue tomorrow with this discussion. Once Nabi Sallallahu said to him, Hakim ibn Yahizam Nabi Allah Ya Hakim, Inna hadha al-mala khadirun hulwun. So Hakim, his wealth is very tempting. Very lush, looks very appetizing, very tempting. But Nabi Sallallahu then says, فَمَنْ أَخَذَهُ بِسَخَاوَةِ نَفْسِهِ بُورِكَ لَهُ فِيهِ the person who acquires this, takes it with the generosity of his heart, with a generous heart. In other words, he's acquiring it, but his heart is filled with generosity. He is acquiring it together with his own needs, his comforts, fine. He wants to use it for the servants of Allah, for the poor and needy, for those who don't have the basic necessities of life. The cause of being. His heart is not, he's not greedy after the wealth. He's making a moderate effort, and in that moderate effort, whatever comes, alhamdulillah, is content with it. So a person who acquires it in this way, obviously he will be now concerned about it being halal, and with this generosity of the heart, burika lahu fi, he will be, there will be barakat for him in this. And this is what he is to be aspired for, barakat. Barakat is the main thing. 
It is barakat and if the quantity is a little also, Allah Ta'ala will make that little also get a person's work done. If there's barakat in it. All his needs will get fulfilled. All his needs will get fulfilled, he won't have to stretch his hand in front of anybody. And if there's no barakat, then no matter how much the quantity may be, he'll still be in a problem. Something or the other will just carry on, he'll still be in a problem. If there is, the quantity is much, and there's barakat in it, nurun alamun, alhamdulillah. But the thing to aspire as he learned from the hadith, is buri kalawuti, every thousand things, he'll be given barakat. Barakat is what should be aspired for. Not kathrat. Kathrat comes, alhamdulillah, provided it comes with barakat. Kathrat means an abundance. That abundance comes with barakat, very good. If that abundance comes without barakat, that abundance will become a greater calamity. And then Nabi Sassim says, وَمَنْ أَخَذَهُ بِإِشْرَافِ نَفْسِهِ لَمْ يُبَارَكْ لَهُ فِيهِ The person who becomes greedy for this world, is just hankering after it. Then, the barakat, to start off with that barakat will be extracted out of it. No barakat left. Now, if there is no barakat left, what is the next consequence of it? وَكَانَ كَالَّذِي يَذْكُرُ وَلَا يَشْبَعُ You'll become like a person who just keeps eating and never gets satiated, never gets full. Yu'ul Bakar. person just keeps eating and eating and the more he eats, the hungrier he gets. It's a kind of sickness as well. But the more the person eats, the hungrier he gets. So this becomes his condition. That now he just hankers after the dunya. The definition of enough is impossible then for him. What is enough? Shaykh Sabi Rahmatullahi see one person, somebody asking that now, uh, Arjun Guru now starts slowing down, he said, yes, I just got one more program left, one more plan left, once this is achieved, then, then I'm going to retire. He asked him very well, mashallah, what is this one plan? So now this person started describing the plan. Now he described it in the manner of that zamana, so, just for our understanding, we will change the example of it. And he said, well, I'm going to buy, for example, the sugar of South Africa, and I'm going to take it to uh, maybe England, and they are going to ex- export it there, sell it there, and they are going to buy this particular item, which I will now export from England to China, and then in China I'm going to make this and then take it to India, and from India I will take the fabrics from India and take it away to Madagascar maybe, and by the time he was supposed to travel the whole world, this was his last plan just to retire. And he was already one leg hanging in the grave. So after one leg hanging in the grave also, he was still planning how to conquer the world. He was still planning how to become the greatest businessman of the world. So this becomes the end result when the barakat is out. And a person is hankering after dunya, then enough, there's no definition of enough. Then enough is what you want to make it. And there's no end to it. So, a mukmin, a mukmin aspires for barakat. And he makes a moderate effort, he aspires for barakat. If he has barakat in his life, then he's happy. And barakat comes out of acquiring it in a halal way. Acquiring it according to the command of Allah Ta'ala. No command of Allah Ta'ala must be shattered. Everything must be in place. Then there's barakat in it. When a mukmin has this concept of wealth, now this will direct his mamla. 
And his mamalas will now happen with taqwa. So the month of Ramadan has come for this taqwa. It's not departmentalized, but now a person, mashallah, is performing his salah, so that's the whole of being completed. Now it's a very, very important and fundamental part of being, but there's still much more. And this mamalas is one very integral part, important part, fundamental part. If this mamalas goes wrong, the du'as are not being accepted, his salah is not accepted, all his ibadat is rejected, He's in a major problem in the cover on the day of Qiyamah. So this Mu'amalat is essential that the Taqwa comes in Mu'amalat as well. Inshallah tomorrow we will discuss this further that how to or what, what is the other guiding principle in the Muslim's life regarding this Mu'amalat. Allah Ta'ala give us all the talking. Ba'asir al-Awana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. It's been suggested that for a few minutes time with Inshallah. We'll just take some declaration Inshallah. Allah, Allah, Jalla Jalla, Allah, Allah, 